Welcome back, friends. This is episode 62 of Outnumbered the Podcast, and today we have a wonderful special guest joining us. His name is Jason Harney, and he is the author of the blog School Off-Ramp. He is both the homeschooling parent of six children as well as a public school teacher. So he brings a very unique um, and wonderful perspective to homeschooling from both the public school side and the homeschooling side. Now, just as an intro, we wanna let you guys know that this episode is obviously going to talk about all of the wonderful benefits to homeschooling that both I, Audrey, and Jason have experienced and want to share with other families. This is by no means meant to criticize or lecture anyone who has chosen to public school their kids. We fully believe that every parent is both qualified and inspired to make appropriate educational decisions for their children. But we think that in this time of educational uncertainty, if you give this episode a listen, you might tend to agree with us in many ways. So we're grateful to have Jason with us and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. We're experienced moms to a combined total of 18 children. Our mission is to help overwhelmed parents find peace in parenting and humor in the chaos. Come join us as we attempt uninterrupted conversation about parenting with joy and intention. And we're delighted to be recording um, an episode with a guest today that you guys are going to love hearing from, especially in this current time where everybody's questioning homeschooling, distance learning, and we've got a bunch of um, things that you're going to want to hear today. So we're excited to share today's episode with you. Yeah, we are welcoming Jason Harney. Um, And Jason, we just want to give our listeners a little bit of an overview of you. So can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and um, what brings you here? Certainly. And first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here and uh, share some thoughts and insights from my kind of two separate perspectives on this topic. Uh, And having said that, let me tell you what those two perspectives are. On one hand, I am a homeschooling dad. And so my wife and I, my wife, Mindy, who is uh, my wonderful bride, we had our 23rd wedding anniversary yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, She and I have six children and we have been homeschooling all of them since the very beginning. So our oldest daughter, Clara, just finished high school uh, this past spring. Um, She's graduated now and is going to be attending Patrick Henry College in the fall. And then we have other kids go down from a 14-year-old daughter, 12-year-old son, 10-year-old daughter, 8-year-old son, and our littlest girl is four years old. So we've got everything from a high school graduate to a a pre-kindergartner in the house. So one perspective I bring to this uh, conversation is that I'm the head of a household where we homeschool our kids. We live in Orange County, California, uh, which is on the coast here, nearby Laguna Beach, a town called Mission Viejo. And we work and live here. Um, the other perspective I bring to this is that I happen to also be a public school teacher in California. And that's a, not a terribly common combination to be both a public school teacher and a homeschooling parent. Uh, probably more common than some people might suspect, but it's still unusual. And so I have taught in California as a full-time public teacher for 24 years, my 25th year coming up this fall. And uh, my area of teaching is music. So I teach primarily choir, uh, but I have taught general music, guitar, choir, voice, jazz, all kinds of things like that. And I've taught from kindergarten to third grade, and then also from sixth grade to 12th grade at various times. So quite a 
wide variety of ages as well. But my perspective as a public school teacher uh, is much different on education than my perspective as a homeschool dad. So that's why I started the blog, which is called schoolofframp.com, to just share some thoughts uh, about seeing this important topic from both worlds, if you will. Yeah, that is such a unique perspective. Um, I know for my own, um, from my own standpoint, um, it was when I was going to college to get my elementary ed degree that I decided if I had children someday that I would homeschool them. <laughs> so I think um, you are correct in saying that it's not quite as uncommon as you think that those who are kind of, um, I don't know if this is the correct terminology, but in the public school trenches are those who are maybe uniquely adapted or persuaded to homeschool their own children. So I want you to address that. Like, does it feel like you have a foot in both worlds with, with a homeschool family and a, and a public school music teacher? Uh, definitely it does. Yeah. Um, a, a little more background on me real quick. My mom was a public school teacher and very pro public school. Of course, this is a long time ago. I th think the schools have changed a lot in the last couple of decades. My first year teaching was 1996 and the schools are very different now than they were when I first began. So she was a very pro public school uh, parent and all my siblings and I went to, I'm the youngest of five kids, went to public schools. My wife was public schooled and our plan was certainly to public school our kids. Once they got up to kindergarten age, the plan was that, you know, mom would go back to work and the kids would go to school. And it wasn't until our oldest daughter was about three and a half or four that we decided maybe this isn't the plan we want to pursue just because that's what we did. And just because that's what most people we see uh, doing this are doing doesn't mean it's the best thing for our, our particular child. So, so uh, yeah, my, my public school perspective is <clears throat> entrenched in me from a very young age. And uh, as I've developed as a teacher and more more, it's more as a parent and a person as, uh, as a homeschooling dad, my perspective on the effectiveness of public school and even just the model that public schools operate under has changed a lot from, from being uh, one of kind of admiration, like this is the way people learn. What a great thing. And, and compared to having no schools, public schools are, is, is better than, than nothing, I suppose. But uh, one of the great myths is that before public schools, we had nothing, which isn't true. People were learning just in various different ways before public schools came along about 100 years ago. And then my, my homeschooling perspective has deepened over the last 15 years. And I really see the outcomes in my own children and also in their peers. We spend a lot of time with other homeschooling families. And so I get to see a very strong contrast when I watch those kids interact, you know, groups of 25, 30 teenagers who are homeschooled interact in a much different way than groups of 25 or 30 public school kids. And I think in a healthier way, almost across the board. That's so fascinating. And I think um, such a such a fun thing for us homeschoolers to hear a public school teacher <laughs> shout the praises of homeschooling, right? It's like, hey, see, we're doing something right, you know. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your blog, School Off Ramp. Um, first of all, I love it. I've read all your posts and I highly recommend it. We'll include the link below or in the show notes. Um, but uh, I think you offer a couple of unique things with your blog. Number one, you're male. So it seems like so much of the homeschooling literature, blogs, resources out there are written by moms, right? So I think that's really unique and, and awesome. And the other thing is, I just think you're a, an excellent writer and really intelligent. So tell us about more about your purpose for blogging at School Off Ramp. Well, thank you for your, your praise there. That's very really good to hear. And 
this is probably the first thing I've ever written that I wasn't forced to write for a class I was taking. You know? <laughs> um, so it's been a bit of an experiment for me to, to put these things down in written form. Uh, the purpose for me uh, is to try to get people who might be considering homeschooling or maybe even don't realize they're considering homeschooling yet to be encouraged that they can succeed in it. Uh, and I think that I have sort of an overarching uh, dynamic in my blog, at least in my mind, I don't know if it shows up in the blog yet, as two simultaneous things happening that should make you consider homeschooling if you're a parent of a public school kid. And I think of it as the push push and pull. Um, if you learn about what's happening in public, public schools now and really examine the curriculum and the, the, the overarching philosophies that guide the learning in public schools, that should push your kid out of that institution, I think, as a parent. You, sh you should feel like, I can't have my kid there and they should be pushed out by what's happening there. On the other side of that equation is when you look at the potential uh, for educating your own child and what that could really mean for them in their early years, especially, in, and I, by early I mean under the age of 18, uh, they should feel pulled into your home by what's possible there. So both these dynamics happen simultaneously. And so in my writing, the first few posts I'm, uh, on the blog, if you read it, you'll see are kind of philosophical. You know, I answer the question, why do I homeschool? And there are three parts to that. And that's for spiritual and moral reasons. Secondly, for uh, socialization reasons. And thirdly, for academics. And so there are some kind of big picture ideas. And a couple of the blogs are more specific. There's one I wrote in response to this doctor at Harvard University who wants to ban homeschooling, which was a big story in the, in the past few months. So uh, yeah, we forward, read it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I go forward, I'm, I'm going to try to strike a balance, hopefully, between those two areas, giving philosophical arguments for why you should homeschool and uh, explaining why we do what we do and how we do it, and then also trying to stay on top of some current developments and things. But if I could answer one more part, one part of the answer would be this. The thing that actually prompted me to sit down and write my first post after thinking about doing it for you know, months or years, was the fact that on Facebook, I kept seeing all these memes in April, basically saying, which is parents who had been suddenly thrust into, and I'm using finger quotes here, homeschooling, suddenly announcing to the world that they can't do it. You know, I tried homeschooling for three weeks and it's miserable. Take my kids back, please. All that kind of stuff was a real big theme on Facebook. And it occurred to me just in my mind, they're actually homeschooling. What they're doing is not homeschooling. It is forced pandemic distance learning by the yeah. government, yeah, which is a very totally. different thing than a parent saying, I'm going to educate my child and, and dedicating themselves to that. Instead, it, these parents were put in this position, you know, you're suddenly out of work or working from home. All your kids are home and the teacher is zooming into your household every day and telling them what to do. That's not homeschooling. So it bothered me that, that people were saying homeschooling is not possible. I knew I couldn't teach my kids. So I wanted to encourage those parents and say, yes, you can. What you're doing is not really homeschooling. But if you look at what that actually could be, you can do it and it would be wonderful. <laughs> wow. So, so much good stuff here that you just said. Um, I know I'm just sitting here nodding my head along. <laughs> um, but that is exactly where we want to go next. We want you to share. Um, you wrote an excellent, excellent blog post about the differences between this this distance learning that parents were forced into and contrasting that with homeschooling. And we really want you to um, go into that, into the different areas of that and help, help our listeners um, just see 
like one of the biggest differences that we have mentioned is that when you are homeschooling, you get to choose. It's it's free it's freedom of choice, whereas this distance learning hasn't. So we want you to share um, more about. But, but what would you have noticed from your n- unique perspective of um, being the public school teacher and the homeschooler? Sure. I'd be happy to. Also, I wanted to, before I touch on that and, and kind of comment on a few things I wrote about in that first post, I will say this, uh, speaking from my perspective as a public teacher, it'll be a lot better this fall, I really think, for public school uh, structures to the extent that they'll be prepared and organized uh, it will it will be smoother and better prepared and and the districts and teachers will be more on top of things because they've had time to plan. I'm actually I'm actually on a team in my district right now that's designing the middle school music curriculum for the whole district, and so it'll be in place. But um, so I say that in a way to say you know that's one less worry maybe for some parents, but also I, I want to caution parents to say just because things are going smoother doesn't mean that great learning is going on. And there are a lot of drawbacks um, to the isolation of, of kind of this distance learning. And you, you, you ladies know, as I do, that homeschooling is not an isolated activity. Our biggest challenge is actually being home enough to do school half the time. We're all yes. out doing field trips and activities and music classes and foreign language classes and science co-ops. We're all over the place. So the term homeschooling gives the impression that, you know, we're kind of locked in a box at home, but we almost never are. Um, but the, the, Isolated pandemic learning is largely that for the kids. They really are alone at home. I had several middle school students last spring when I did my Zoom meetings that were home in their houses alone, not allowed to go outside, and their parents had been at work for eight hours. They just sitting there alone in the house. And it's very, they were all upset and largely depressed by it. So, having said that, um, the question you asked me was about kind of contrasting what we think of as homeschooling, as homeschooling parents, with what the schools are are having to do in response to these edicts and demands from the government. Uh, so there's several things. Um, and one of them is just the overall, like I mentioned, the overall concept. A parent who's being forced to do this is in a different frame of mind than a parent who chooses to do it and is preparing uh, not only just academically, but you know, there's, there's a dynamic in a, in a homeschooling household where the parent is both teacher and parent simultaneously. And that's one of the things that actually I, I find is frightening to a lot of parents. They, they think I couldn't be my kid's teacher because they're picturing a classroom with desks and having to stand up there and deliver you know, a lesson plan or something. And that's not how homeschooling works. So the overall concept of what I think of as homeschooling and what the schools are being forced to do is much different. Also, um, the source of the material is invariably different. One of the main reasons people leave the public schools to homeschool is curriculum. They don't want the kids being taught necessarily what the government says they should be taught. And that's, I think it's a parent's prerogative. I happen to be a Christian and we are a Christian homeschooling family, but um, I, I think that people of different religions besides mine should also be worried about the, the kind of uh, secular humanist foundations of public schooling. And there are reasons why the schools had that foundation. Uh, some of them are legitimate and some of them are, are modern inventions, but uh, that foundation is definitely there. So we choose our curriculum in our household based upon several factors. One of them is the spiritual content. So we teach all the subjects from a perspective of Christianity. Uh, History is taught that way. Uh, Music and arts are taught that way. English and literature is taught with a Christian perspective. And and right on down the whole line, all the curriculum. Uh, And that's not allowed in the public schools. And so therefore, we don't want our kids getting an entire educational uh, input for 13 years that leaves out what we think is the most important truth. 
Um, so that's important. And, and there's all kinds of, of factors that go into what the public schools teach. And not all of them are uh, things that you might want your kid to be influenced by. Um, another thing that's big, a big difference between the pandemic learning and the real homeschooling is the frame of mind of the student. You know, our kids, we have friends of ours that uh, many, I suppose you probably do too, who had their kids in public school and pulled them out and started homeschooling. And that can be a really rough transition for some families, for the parent and for the kid, because they think they know what school is like and it suddenly changes quite a bit. For us, my family, we always homeschooled. So our kids have never been in public schools. They've been in group school settings in classes of various sizes and subjects. They do large choir activities. So they're in big groups of, of mixed kind of, of uh, perspectives on things, but just not in their academics. So the, the student uh, it, who's going through the process of the learning is very different when it's a public school kid being suddenly shoved home versus a homeschool kid who, who, who knows that's what they're supposed to be doing is learning as part of their day in their house. And so the kid's perspective has to be part of the success of homeschooling. Um, and then, you know, the, the authority that, that informs the entire process is also much different. In homeschooling, the authority is the parents and, and oftentimes with their religious convictions, whether they be Christian or Jewish or Catholic or some other type of worldview. Um, it is they who are the authorities overarching the entire process. With the pandemic learning or the forced homeschooling of the public school system, it's not the parents in charge. They're having the information kind of piped into their household through technology. And so the authority in the learning is still a stranger or an outsider who suddenly kind of infiltrated the home environment instead of the parent who actually shapes and oversees and um, conceives of the household as an entire entity of growth and learning, right? So as a homeschool parents, we don't really differentiate between school and character training and religious studies and life. It's all part of the same process for our children. And that might include, you know, doing chores around the house and the character that, that is built by that, learning to cook, which all our kids do, boys and girls alike, and um, being uh, in a group with each other and how we interact. All those things are part of school to us. Whereas uh, with the school inserting itself into your home, they're just inserting themselves into that one area and saying, we're in charge of this area. We're the authorities and you aren't in, in, in academics and school and real learning. And the other stuff seems to be sort of auxiliary or you know, a, side, a side concern uh, from the school district's perspective. Yeah. Oh man. So many, so much good stuff there. Um, we could talk all day about each one of those aspects that you brought up, but, but I love it. And, and I've, I've been telling people that have expressed these same frustrations to me. What, why I just didn't do very well, you know, during these distance learning months. And I just, I, I just want to tell them you've got the worst of both worlds right now. <laughs> you've got the school's, you know, curriculum and all their, their, um, their tasks required of you. And then you've got your kids home all day without the positive aspects of homeschooling. So it's been very difficult for sure. Um, and, and then I usually follow up with, if you're going to really homeschool, your homeschool will probably look nothing like a public school, right? So that's like my big piece, piece of advice. So, so we want to ask you what, what's probably the number one piece of advice you would give parents who want to take the kids off this, take the school off ramp, as you say, and help them have confidence in this, this decision. If they're like, I'm not going to do this distance learning thing anymore. I really do want to homeschool. What's the one thing you would you would tell them to encourage them in that decision? 
Yeah, the, this is actually a pretty easy answer for me. The main thing is they need to be confident and believe they can do it. Um, and uh, again, as a public school teacher, you know, I have a perspective as an employee of the state and I'm a member of the teachers union for uh, various reasons. And one of the, th I'm not, a, I'm not very <laughs> popular in my teacher union meetings. I'm usually on the contrary <laughs> on lots of issues, but uh, uh, you're probably the John, you're probably the John Gatto of your, uh, yeah. of your time there in California <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. So I, uh, I would say one of the things the teachers union has been very successful at is, is convincing parents in America that they're not qualified to teach their children. Uh, and it's, it's sometimes it's, it's said explicitly, and sometimes it's, it's more often, it's a little bit more subtle, but things like, well, you know, we're, we're credentialed teachers at, at our school. We're all credentialed. So therefore we're, we, we, we know how to teach a child, how to learn things. And you don't have a credential mom and dad. You're just, you know, parents. There's, there's that vibe uh, from the teachers union and from the, the public schools in, in various ways. Um, sometimes the, the teachers at my school are, a little hard if you could have be a fly on the wall in a staff meeting or in a in the hallway as we chat. A little hard on the parents, except when we're trying to raise funds or need volunteers. And then we love the parents, right? But uh, the the thing is, until about a hundred years ago, so for thousands of years, there were no government schools like we see now, and people learned from their communities in extended ways, but but almost primarily from their own parents. And even going back in our own nation's history, if you read excerpts from the book uh, Democracy in America by uh, de Tocqueville, he wrote about this, that, that, you know, the average farmer in America was teaching their own children to read. These are illiterate people on this continent. They are reading for themselves and they're, they're educating their children. That's why the experiment of America is working so well. And somewhere uh, along the line, about, gosh, only about 60 or 70 years later, we decided that parents shouldn't teach their kids and that it, should, it was best done by the government. And uh, not only that, we come around to the full circle and say, you aren't even qualified to teach your kid as a parent. Mm -hmm. You're not credentialed like, like, like our experts. But here's the thing. Like you were saying a minute, uh, just a moment ago, homeschool it doesn't look like a classroom. It's not a, a line of desks. Uh, it is usually either one-on-one -on -one or in groups of two or three, you know, depending on the age of your kids, at a time. And as they get older, my older kids who are 18 and 15, they do a lot of just self-guided learning. You know, my wife is a tremendously organized and hardworking woman, and she spends the whole summer, she's doing this right now, actually today, uh, she spends the whole summer outlining curriculum for each of our kids for the entire year in every single subject area all the way through every single week. Not every parent does that. Okay, you don't have to do that. That's just the way she likes to do it. So my kids get up in the morning, they go to their website, it's called Homeschool Planet, and they click in, they sign in, and they go, oh, you know, from 8.15 to 8.45, I'm supposed to read these three chapters. And they go read those chapters. They come back and go check. They do their next thing. Oh, now I'm supposed to play with my little sister. Okay, I'll play with my sister for 25 minutes. And I practice piano. And they go down the line. And so she's not walking around and monitoring, she being my wife, monitoring each kid every single second. They get up and they they hop on the, the laptop and they figure out their plan for the day and they just do it for the most part, most of them. And then lots of times though, where she is instructing, she's reading to them, she's teaching them math. She's doing, going from place to place and taking care of kids as they need help. But largely they're, they're working on their own or she gets them started and they work on their own. So the, the, the answer to your question was you can do this. Also it can be done in many different ways. Your homeschool, I'm sure, uh, Bonnie looks different than my household does. Right. And 
and that's totally fine because your your kids are different than my kids and you're different than my wife and that makes perfect sense but the fact that um most parents think they aren't qualified is not because of some actual analysis or self-reflection it's because they've been trained to think that by by the school system that's my main thing don't think that just because the school system says you're not a credential teacher or not qualified to teach that you can't do it you can one of my favorite writers on the topic of homeschooling and and kind of family-driven uh, faith, actually, that's the name of one of his books, is called Vodi Bauckham Jr. He's a, he's a Christian uh, Baptist preacher and writer, and he says, all you got to do is stay one week ahead of your kids on a subject that you don't know. <laughs> that's the truth. You don't have to be an expert in every single thing, and especially now with the number of resources that are right at our fingertips, right? The internet is, uh, it's a mixed blessing in many ways, but uh, one of the great things is is everything ever thought or written or spoken or recorded by human minds in the last couple, you know, thousand years is basically written down. You can push a button and have it in front of you. Um, you don't need to send your kid to a building and have someone else organize those things. You can just do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I remember the first time um, one of my kids um, went through high school biology and I sat down and went through that course with them. Um, we were doing it from a Christian, a Christian perspective, a Christian curriculum. Apologia is what we use. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely adored it because I remember loving the subject of biology in high school, but hating all of the um, extraneous secular junk that came with it and feeling like I would so love to dive into these topics, but I just have to learn what they want me to put down on a test and then dump my brain as I go out the door. And so I remember going through biology with my, um, the, my oldest child when they went through it, high school level and, and learning it and just absolutely loving it. Like, Hey, you know, elbowing them out of the way so I could dissect the frog, you know, because I was like, I didn't get to do this from a Christian perspective. And I love this. So in our homeschool, the, um, the motto is learning to learn. And, and we're right there alongside of our kids. Um, mm -hmm. If we don't know it, I want to learn it too. And, and the most important thing that we feel we can teach our kids is how to learn because then the world is open to them. Yeah, that reminds me of a quick story from our homeschool last spring. My two oldest daughters, um, who are 18 and 15, were taking a class called Constitutional Literacy, which was already on the schedule before we had so many issues with this very topic. But my wife, who has a, you know, she went to public high school and she has a degree in music, but uh, she wasn't the most academically focused student, more more arts focused as a kid. She decided to take the class along with the two girls, with Clara and Laura, and she got so much out of it. She loved that class. Uh, my wife has really dusted off her perspective on the Constitution and, and her rights as an American and, and and it, that will now infuse her teaching of our other kids in the, in the coming years. So, yeah, we, we are all always learning. Sometimes the, the teacher uh, in homeschool is learning along with the kids. And I, I see nothing. That's not a negative thing at all. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about it. So we want to ask you, um, let's talk specifics. Um, so now that you've had one graduate, um, tell us your top three resources for homeschooling. Um, so many parents aren't sure where to start. And so we'd love to give them actual specifics that they can check out. One resource that we like is uh, an organization called CHIA, which stands for Christian Home Education Association. And they have chapters in most states. Uh, again, we live in California. So our chapter in California is very active. And they not only uh, put on 
annual conventions, but also lots of online resources and, and uh, put you in touch with legal help and, and uh, other entities that might uh, be of assistance to homeschoolers. But what, we go to their convention every summer, although this year it was virtual, uh, and we get lots of stuff there. You hear great speakers, you get uh, to see all their resources. There's a huge exhibit hall. And so one of the things we do is we go, we also get to network with, with other homeschool parents about what they're doing and why they're doing it and what worked and what didn't work. They have a curriculum exchange there. So when we're done with things that we know we won't need again, at least maybe for a few years, we'll go drop them off and pick up other stuff that we can get for free or for cheap. Uh, and so there's lots of interaction there. So Chi is a good resource. Um, on the legal side of things, there's an entity called HSLDA, which I recommend being a member of. I don't know if you guys are or not, but we're members of HSLDA. We are. And we are they, also. Yeah, they are a legal body that, that fights for homeschooling rights, that advocates for our our right to homeschool our kids. They've been very helpful in California. There's been a couple of challenges in the last several years trying to push through ridiculous uh, stipulations to try to undermine people's freedoms and rights to homeschool their kids. And HSLDA has been very effective in combating that. So I recommend being aware of them as well. Uh, and then the other thing is just to, there's lots of sources online where you can find lists of curriculum. I wouldn't claim to be an expert on this. Uh, we my wife chooses most of the curriculum. We look it over together, but she, uh, I trust her to be an expert on that more than I would be, certainly. But you can find lists and web pages of curriculum and make sure you just don't pick the first thing you see, you know, and talk to other homeschoolers to see how things work. A lot of times those things look great in the exhibit or good on paper on the website, and then they really just don't work for you necessarily. Part of that's just trial and error, but sometimes you can anticipate those things if you talk to other people that you know uh, have similar views. Oh yeah. I love that. Okay. So I'd never heard of Chi. I'm totally going to check them out. So I appreciate that. And we'll include links to all these um, in the show notes. Um, so thank you for sharing. Uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up now is that, um, so you've seen kids go through the whole gamut of school, right? All 13 years. I feel like a lot of the resistance that I, that I get from friends who are talking about potentially homeschooling is from those who parent older children. Like it's not really, um, frightening to ter to uh, consider homeschooling a kindergartner. We can all mm -hmm. color and learn to, you know, cut in the lines. Mm -hmm. But um, as far as middle or high schoolers go, do you have any advice for those parents that are thinking, I would love to pull my kid out and, and get into this, these deep, more serious topics, but I'm terrified that, you know, they're too old or I don't know enough or whatever. What, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you're right. It's a, it's a big concern that people have. They just think they can't, uh, they would be doing their child a disservice. By, right. by taking over those aspects of their schooling. The first answer I would have would be for people to, to switch their perspective about what their role is as, as, a, as a parent. And, and even in education, not just as a parent, aside from some, some outside education. And that's this. And, and I have a post about this called uh, about spiritual and moral training in the homeschool. My main goal and my main charge from, from my creator as a father is not to make sure my kids know chemistry and not to make sure my kids know calculus. Those are useful things for certain uh, potential job fields. I understand that and that's, I'm not trying to diminish their importance, but my main goal and charge from, from God is to raise my children to know God and to have a right understanding of who they are in relation to him. Um, and it is in the years between the age of about 12 to about 18 that those lessons are really crucial and critical and where the attacks on those ideas are the most aggressive 
in public schools. So if I just said to myself, you know, if my kid graduated and didn't know chemistry or calculus, but knew God, I think I would have succeeded as a, as a home educator. Now, I also believe I can do the academics better than the public schools, largely, as well. But if I had to choose, I would choose the spiritual and moral aspect uh, of that. So if that's, if that's maybe that's compelling to some people, maybe it's not. But for me, uh, that's a, a big paradigm shift. Most parents don't think of themselves as, uh, or think of that aspect of education when they think about school. But that's being taught here. Uh, it, it is a myth that the schools are teaching a neutral worldview. That's not possible to have a neutral mm-hmm. worldview. Every saying, saying there are no rights and wrongs is not neutral, right? That's a, that's a view called relativism, and it's a very insidious and dangerous view. We're seeing the, the results of 20 years of moral relativism taught in our schools on the streets of our cities right now, uh, if you look in the news. So my first answer is a non-academic answer. You are more qualified than anybody to teach your children about morality and spirituality and truth than any teacher in any school. God gave you these kids to raise and to teach. You are uniquely qualified to do that. So that's the first answer. So if a parent's worried about, I can't teach my kid, yeah, maybe they're talking about you know, pre-calculus. Uh, then you get a DVD about it, or you do a co-op class. So here's the next part of the answer. On the topics where my, my wife and I are not experts, and there are lots of those, um, we're both college graduates, but we certainly are, you know, specialized in music and the arts. My wife's a musician as well. Then we we have other people teach the classes. My daughter Laura is doing a biology class this coming year. It's a we hire a biology teacher who does homeschooling co-op classes, and we have about six or eight other kids in the class. We all pay that teacher a fee, and it's a semester-long biology class with everything you picture, you know, dissecting frogs and experiments, and full training. It's a Christian biology class again. And uh, so we don't, I, I mean, I suppose we could try to dissect frogs in our, our you know, kitchen, but I don't think, I, I don't, I'm sure my wife doesn't want to do that. So we hire someone to do it. We do farm these things out to, to some extent. And the high level math classes too, we get experts coming in. One of my daughters took uh, a classes in, in the language of Hebrew for two years. We brought in a Hebrew teacher with our co-op and we had about 15 kids in that class. And that was great for her Bible study uh, technique and for skills to understand scripture. So the things that are high end, we we can farm those out, um, or you can even work within your own community. We have one dad in our co-op group who is a financial planner. So last year he did a financial planning class, um, and you know, uh, financial responsibility, long-term planning, understanding how the fi- finance systems work, all from a Christian perspective about tithing and charity and, and appropriate perspectives on money and wealth. And he taught to a bunch of the kids in our in our area. Uh, who wanted to take that class. So there's lots of ways you can get around. You don't have to teach everything yourself. Uh, you, you bring in experts and you and you get the resources you need to teach your kid. Yeah, that's absolutely what we do too. Although I'm one of those weird moms who likes to dissect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that can be fun too for some people. Uh, okay, so I also wish that I could share. Okay, so we have graduated three also. Um, as well. And I'm not sure how much um, of the podcast you've listened to, Jason, but my kids are aged from 21 down to one. (laughs) So we have the whole gamut too. So we have graduated three. And I wish that I could share with other people how enriching it is to educate older kids because of the depth 
of discussion that you can have with them. You can really, really dive into, um, deep dive into topics. And it's not like, you know, having a conversation with little kids where you're the teacher. It's like you're your peers and, and you can share your thoughts and your reasons and, and your beliefs and they can ask questions and they can share their thoughts and their reasons and things that they have read and discussed and learned. And I just really wish that I could share that part with people. Like it's not scary to homeschool these older kids. It's ra- It's actually very, very edifying. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, my oldest daughter, was really active in speech and debate in the last three years of her high school. And, and one of the events that she does is called apologetics and mm-hmm. she's, she's graduated now, but this has actually led to a, a fair amount of um, much needed scholarship money at her college in, in the next few years. So that was good. So, uh, also colleges like homeschool kids, by the way, if you're worried about that, but uh, so Clara did this event called apologetics and what it is, it is defending and articulating the Christian faith. So, they get a series of 120 questions and they kind of try to prepare answers for each one. And when they walk into the actual event, it's a competitive speech event. There's 10 pieces of paper face down the table. They get to grab three of them and they choose one to give a speech about it kind of off the cuff right there for the judging panel. And the, the amount of time she put into researching those questions and the number of conversations, getting back to what you just said, number of conversations that came out of the two of us discussing these questions was extremely gratifying, you know, and deep theological questions that, that have implications for life and how we live it and how we view other people, how we view ourselves in relation to our, our parents and to our peers and to our siblings and these incredible, and that's where the education in some ways really happens, right? The The curriculum is, a, is kind of a starting point or it's a launching point for these real conversations where we teach them what it means to be an adult to how how to live a life that's that's beyond just getting grades and checking boxes right yeah yeah so you mentioned earlier the the push and pull and the way that i phrased it in the past is homeschooling for something for a reason is more sustainable than homeschooling against something like your reasons why you do. So we were, we we're wanting you to share what is your favorite part of homeschooling? Hmm. My favorite part probably is, again, it's not going to be an academic thing is just that I like that. My, my kids like each other. <laughs> it sounds like it's obvious, but they really like each other. They, they, they they love to be together. They create games and activities. Um, you know, we, we don't watch TV in our house, uh, so they're always making up things to do and contests and activities and building things in the yard and things like that. But I see so many of my public school kids that really dislike their siblings, and it always makes me sad, uh, you know, when I hear my eighth grade you know, students say, oh, I can't stand my brother. And I'll say, how old your brother? He's in fifth grade. He's the worst. And they really, because they're not together. They don't know each other very well. They've been pulled apart every day for seven or eight hours most of their life. Um, and that always makes me kind of sad. So when I see my kids and how they interact with each other, because they're going to be brothers and sisters for their entire lives, right? And and what we often do in public schools, we pull the siblings apart from each other and stick them with strangers in a classroom based upon their birth date. But after a couple of years, most of them won't know each other again. They're just classmates, but they've also, we also disintegrated a lot of those family connections. So my favorite thing about homeschooling is that my my kids get to be with their their siblings a lot and really have close and loving relationships that I think will be a foundation for their whole lives. Yeah, I love that too. In fact, when people ask me about this, 
you know, the socialization aspect of homeschooling, that's always everyone's concern is how do your kids get socialized? And I said, look, if my kids can get along with their siblings, I will consider myself like the most successful socialization teacher <laughs> possible because it's because it's tough. Family relationships bring all kinds of, of struggles, but they can be so rewarding if we take the time to really get to know each other. So I love that you shared that. Um, and then we didn't have your wife on today, which I, now I'm wishing we had, but uh, do you know what her favorite part of homeschooling is? You know, I, I, I hesitate to answer for her because she's uh, quite articulate in her own right. But yeah, I'm sure she'd love to talk to you guys sometime, by the way. But uh, I, I would guess it would probably be along the lines of the spiritual training. Um, my wife is uh, uh, in the Bible every morning before she does anything else. She's praying all day. She's a very spiritual person, a wonderful spiritual leader for our kids. So I would guess that she would say the fact that she gets to pray with her kids every day to lead them in these um in these subject areas from a Christian perspective would probably be the, the, her favorite part of it. I hope that's right, honey. If I'm wrong, sorry. <laughs> well, I love it. I love that. Can I go back and touch on one thing you said about socialization? Cause that never came up in our other questions. And I think it's such an important yeah. topic and you're right. That's one of the main, I think actually it is one of the main things people worry about, like how your kids get socialized if they're homeschooled. Uh, but I actually, I hear that question less than I used to. I think that our community has gained a better reputation in the last 15 years, 20 years, because of the the acceptance of homeschool students in the college system now and the fact that everyone knows that they are succeeding in that area and colleges kind of covet homeschoolers in some ways and that they're doing well in the workforce as well. That I think some of that's kind of, that tarnish has, has worn off a little bit. But I will say this, the flip side of that, of the socialization coin is this, how do you think the kids in the public school are being socialized? This is something that never gets talked about. There's, there's a kind of an a priori assumption that the public school socialization is going well. And if you pull your kids out of that, how will they succeed in socialization? But I would challenge that really aggressively. The socialization in the public school systems is a nightmare. It's terrible. Um, I can't walk from my office to the main building at my school, which is about 120 yards, without hearing so much profanity and meanness. You wouldn't even believe it. I'm not joking. It's just, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's all these kids say, half of them. It's so vile. And the socialization they're experiencing, we start to hear it more in the adult culture too, just vulgarity is all over the place, right? Um, they're, not, they're not being trained to be polite and kind and thoughtful and listen to each other. There's a lot of meanness. There's a lot of bad language. There's a lot of really, really over hyper-sexualized clothing and behavior on these campuses. Uh, and so if, if you think the public schools are, are the gold standard of socialization, you wouldn't want to take your kid out of them. I would challenge you to reconsider that and look at what's actually happening. Um, I, I think that almost, almost every family I know would do a better job of socializing their own kids um, than the public school does because they're left in largely unmonitored peer groups. And you throw, you throw in the internet into everyone's hand in the middle of that, and it's just a bad combination. The way that I like to put it is that my children can socialize with anyone of any age, not just badly with their own age group. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I agree. Okay, so we want to, we want a little peek into the future of um, school off ramp. Do you have any hopes or dreams for it? Like, where where are you heading? What's what's your goal with school off ramp? Yeah, you know, again, I started this a couple months ago, kind of um, out of a, a hope to be able to 
encourage people to homeschool who might be considering it. And again, we're looking at a situation now where a lot of people who never would have thought of it eight months ago are seriously thinking about it now because of all these outside pressures in the public schools kind of shutting down. Um, and so that's my hope that people would read it and they would, if they have questions about these big, big ideas, uh, you know, philosophical things about education, they might have some of those answered there. And then also some practical things as well uh, about how we do what we do in our own, our own homeschool. I do and plan to keep writing blogs and, um, and posting them a couple of times a week uh, going forward here. Uh, don't hold me to twice a week. I, I've got other things to do too, but it's a side topic. <laughs> um, and I would like to do um, some other media type things. My daughter's saying I should do some podcasts and talk and put that out there too. And, and maybe some um, webinars, like online things where people can watch, you know, as we interview and, and talk about these things online. So I'm looking at some of those things, but for the, for the current time, my only real commitment I've made is that I'm going to keep writing about these various topics. Well, we think you definitely should do that because every time you write a post, Bonnie and I discuss it and we're like, yeah, yeah, he said he put into exact words the, the, the way that we think and the way that we feel about these topics that we were so pro homeschooling about. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Okay, well, we're really, really glad um, to talk with you about this today, and we're excited to share your thoughts and your um, link, your the link to your website and things with our listeners, because um, I know that so many people are looking for more information and, and seeking to educate themselves about homeschooling and distance learning and, and all that, and we're, we're very in support of that. We want everybody to investigate these things for themselves. So we, we're really thankful to have you on today to um, help get people thinking about these things, Jason. Well, thank you very much again for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a, a really uh, interesting conversation uh, for me as well to kind of speak through some of these ideas, not just write them down. And I appreciate any um, traffic you can point toward the blog. That would be helpful as well. And hopefully we can convince a lot more families through your podcast and my writing to consider homeschooling and all the wonderful benefits that it can lead to in their lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Did you know you can help the podcast in several ways? First up, we're on Patreon and there are three different levels to support us there. Just head to patreon.com slash outnumbered. Next up, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps other parents find the podcast and receive the help you're enjoying. And finally, you can follow us on Instagram at Outnumbered the Podcast. We're always having fun over there, too. As usual, if you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.